Council. Sports and beyond. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 223, all the way from your very own Harper College Radio to Radio to Paul Sports. This week, here on the beautiful airwaves of Harper College Radio, HarperRadio.com and 88.3 FM, Northwest Suburbs, time to talk some sports. Quick fire this show today. I'm go bang, bang, bang! Up in your ears with some sports stuff. I was lowering my mic, not the songs, but that's okay. We're live, we're well, and this is December 13th, 2021. Monday the 13th. Honestly, if you think about it, wouldn't Monday the 13th be scarier than Friday the 13th? Makes more sense, considering Mondays are scarier than Fridays. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein here, talking the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. So let's get us started today, shall we? And we're going to start us off in uh, segment one, talking about yesterday's Chicago Bears game and uh, the Packers. And there's obviously silver linings, but at the same time, same old stuff from the Bears. And I'm just going to rant about it again, because, you know, you love my Chicago Bears rants, Um, you know. Some people I see are blaming the refs because there was a no call. Uh, there was a penalty call on a botched punt return by the Packers in which the Bears returned for a touchdown, but it was reversed because of a call. I want to talk about that. It was, I guess, somebody got pushed out of bounds. You know, people blaming the refs for the Bears' misfortunes are, you know, just trying to find a way out of excusing themselves of Matt Nagy and the front office and maybe the performance level on the field for this Bears team, which has been very, very lackluster. I'm going to talk about that first segment. Next segment after that, I'm going to combine basketball and hockey, talk standings, talk uh, the Bulls. The Bulls having 10 players as of now, as of this morning, on COVID protocol lists. So that means that a lot of players from the G League and everything in that regard is they're going to get some NBA uh experience but um you know i got some thoughts about that and of course thoughts about the blackhawks and how they're performing of late they're kind of just 50 50 it's like it's that's why i'm combining the two segments it's like both of the teams right now are just like in in a sort of limbo so i'm gonna discuss that and uh move on from there and we won't be stuck in limbo in that segment because beyond that, we're going to get into some soccer talk. Let's talk a brief segment. Talking Champions League, talk Premier League. Can an update on that. We saw a really good MLS Cup game this past weekend between the Portland Timbers and New York FC in which the New York FC team gets their first championship in team history so we'll talk about that that segment and in the final segment we'll talk some UFC 269 this past weekend was a beauty of a card that we got treated to if you watched the pay-per-view this past weekend like I did I enjoyed it we saw upsets we saw great performances we saw great finishes just a card full of love and I'm going to talk about it and a show for a full of love as always because I love you guys this is, you know, this is what I look forward to every week. I mean, last week we didn't do a show because of my car. And, you know, I was like, you know, screw it. I don't let my car be in the shop. I got to get new brakes. Car problems are where I'm at my worst. So if I'm having a car problems, don't rely on me. I'm not doing a show because I'm just like not dealing with like, My car is my baby. All right. It's my third most valuable thing to me in life besides my family and my friends. And then number four is this radio show. Actually, no, it's radio show and car combined because you know they're you know, in life you have these valleys right 
and you kind of just have to understand money doesn't make it more valuable. Only the sentimental value is what really counts. But car, my car is pretty valuable. Anyways, besides the point, we're going to have a really good show today. I'm really, really excited about it. This is December 13th, 2021. We're almost to 2022, so we got this episode and one more episode left of 2021. So let's enjoy it. Next up, we got some football, so stay tuned here on 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Sean Reynolds remix. Romy Way. Alright, alright, alright. Time for some football. So yesterday was a really good day. Besides like the Bears losing, it was a really fun day of football. If you're watching football all day, which you know, I tuned in for some of the games. Most notably, I, I looked at the score of the Buffalo Bills game and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, and I saw that that was almost out of reach for the Bills at one point, and then they started striking a comeback, and they forced overtime, but the Tom Brady beats the Bills for the 33rd time in his career, so he's 33-3 and against the Bills all time, which is... The definition of domination. So I, the you know, the Bills could look back at all three of their wins against the Patriots when Tom Brady was a uh, uh, the quarterback for them, uh, and say, "Wow, we should be proud of those three wins." Um, but that was my personal favorite game from yesterday. Uh, I watched the highlights. I thought that was a lot of fun. We also saw Cowboys and Washington football team um, in a shootout, and I think the Washington football team might have a chance at making the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm going to look through these NFL uh, standings here and kind of get a, a glimpse at what we might expect now moving forward after week 14. But it's looking pretty fun um, in some cases. Uh, so we'll get into that. But uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Bears. Obviously, you know, I think week after week we can kind of expect with Bears, you know, talk about the frustrations and the t- tribes and turbulations of this team and how consistent it is but at this point you know the bears just have nothing to lose i mean what's the point of firing matt nagy at this point of the season if they if he was gonna get fired he should have been fired after the pittsburgh game or the first detroit lions game when we were just like should have won this by a different margin you know like that was the point of the season where the Bears should have, the organization should have been like, okay, maybe this is the right time for the first time in organization history that the that we should indeed fire the head coach in the middle of the season. But at this point, with four games left, just finish it out. Really? Like, I mean, even that, I mean, there were some creative plays in yesterday's game in the first half, but, uh, you know, that was only the first half, specifically the second quarter, uh, where the Bears scored, I think, the most amount of points in a quarter of the season, and then all of a sudden, throughout the f- remainder of the game, score three points, and when that those three points didn't even matter. Um, the fact that the Bears scored 27 in the first half, and then they score a zero, almost zero in the second, goes to show that Matt Nagy's offense is not effective, because it's easily detectable like the bear the the Packers defense which is honestly not that great if you kind of just look at it it might be the reason why this Packers team might not make it all the way is that they were able to catch up with the Matt Nagy offense and that's not supposed to happen you can't let that happen as a head coach 
who should be creative throughout the entire game and not be consistent, you know, and that's a hard lesson learned for Justin Fields. I think from a personal standpoint, because he understands now he cannot keep up the same offensive scheme throughout the game. It has to be creative. That's why I think football is the most technical sport out of all the sports in the world. And, you know, that's what makes it special is that it's a coaching-based sport. You call the plays, you, you read the X's and O's, you make those decisions accordingly, and you make adjustments. And the team that made better adjustments was clearly the Packers yesterday, and that's not surprising to me. Um, and I was very happy to see the way the Bears performed in the first half, specifically Grant with his 97-yard touchdown return, the largest touchdown return in Bears history, I think top five in NFL history, um, which is awesome because you don't see that very often. Uh, he was in a lot of trouble, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's on the left sideline cruising down the field towards his, towards six points. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun to, to experience, you know, having hope against the Packers in Lambeau um, in a very hostile environment. It was a good game up until the start of the second half in which I was th- thinking to myself, the Bears, there's just no way. If you're going to bet on the Packers, bet on them when they're losing by 10. And you got Aaron Rodgers coming on the field smiling like he knows he's about to come back in this game. That's why Aaron Rodgers is so great. And why I am disgustingly jealous of the Packers having a guy like Aaron Rodgers. How good is he even while injured? People, I just thought it was funny this past week. The Bears fans saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers' small foot is injured. He's not going to play as well. It's not his foot that gives him arm strength. His arm that gives him arm strength. And yes, momentum going into his foot might hurt, and that might cause him to not throw as good, but it's Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. He's got arm strength. He's got mobility. He's probably practiced it throughout the week with less tension on his foot. Um, And all the Bears fans saying, injure Rodgers, whatever, just just stop. I mean, that's not the, the, the true dignity of the sport. Is not injuring a player, so that's a that that you can't play them anymore. That's that's weak, you know. If you want to be the best team in the league, you got to beat the best players in the league. And the Bears are not the best team in the league. And it doesn't seem like this organization wants to be the best team in the league. But I know what it wants to be the best is that of 88.3 FM Harper College Radio broadcast station of Harper College and its board of trustees, the best community college radio station in the country. And it's not even close. Well, I don't know what else was not close. Bears winning hopes. Never close. Can never rely on a Bears win. We all think about it also this way. Just as much as the Bears have won this season, like they're, they're, I get arguments. This is the argument I get. This is the basis of what I'm about to say. I get a lot of arguments saying, oh, the Bears could easily be 6-6 six and six or uh, you know, maybe just above 500 because refs or because the Bears are so close in every other game. But think about the wins that they've had this season, right? And how close those wins were. They could have been easily losses. So I think this 4-9 Bears record that we see in front of us right now is a perfect reflection of what this Bears team is right now. I don't think anybody should say that this Bears team should have a better record because this record literally is the perfect definition of what this Bears team looks like. If there's a record, like if I would say a record based on numbers in football reflects a team so well, it's the 4-9 Bears. They should not be in contention for the playoffs just because the rest of the NFC isn't playing as good. And the fact that the rest of the NFC hasn't played as good, the Bears should be keeping up with them. And they haven't. That's how bad that they are. At least in terms from a front office coaching standpoint, I think on the field, the talent's there. I mean, look at Grant. He came out of nowhere. Devin Hester. I saw shades of Devin Hester yesterday. That's something that brought me back. That was like probably my best nostalgic moment watching football in years with this Bears team was watching that return from Grant yesterday. Uh, it was awesome. Like, you know, I just remember the days of Devin Hester being like, I might see a touchdown um, return today. Like, now the expectation's different, but when you had Devin Hester on your team, you know that if he has the ball, it's, it's it might be game over. Like that's what I felt like yesterday with Grant, because of, of how many great returns he had. Um, that's a guy you want to keep. And also, Tavon Jenkins and um, Borum played on the offensive line because uh, Peters got injured. So um, with Tavon Jenkins having his back surgery and he's 
I would say 96% recovered. Um, he played well. I thought the offensive line played pretty well yesterday, at least in the first half. But the Packers defense caught up. That's just how it went yesterday. And um, now the Bears have to move on. The Bears have the Vikings next week, also in primetime football. Two weeks of primetime hell for Bears fans, if you may say. Um, So I got my iPad in front of me. I'm not using the computer today because I like my iPad, and I charged it, and it's 96% charged, and that's when I want to use it most. So, um... Looking at the Bears' uh, rest of the season, next week they got Minnesota, and they two two of the four games that are left, the Bears will be playing Minnesota. So, hello, Minnesota. Nice to meet you finally this season. And then the next two games besides that, uh, the week after the Vikings is the Seahawks. And then January 2nd, the new year, they play the Giants at home, and then they go up to Minnesota for the final game of the year, January 9th. Uh, Bears should be home next Monday night, so at least they get uh, to be primetime home. So that might be interesting. Um, so honestly, I don't mind whatever happens happens with this Bears game. I'm not going to get too competitive with it. If the Vikings win, honestly, they deserve it because I, I honestly would like to see a team like the Vikings be in the playoffs. So this is where I'm going to start talking about this playoff picture here. Uh, starting in the NFC East with um, the NFC North, the Packers are six and seven. Or not? No, the Vikings are six and seven. The Packers are ten and three. Um, so the wild card teams currently are the LA Rams, um, Washington Football Team, Eagles. Uh, Falcons and Saints. All of them are six and seven. You got five six and seven teams, and only two of them, besides the Rams, will be making the playoffs. And then you got the Seahawks at five and eight, and the Panthers at five and eight. So those are guys still in the hunt. But now the Bears are should be officially out of it. There's no way. There's no possible way the Bears can be in the playoffs, which is exactly why I said two weeks ago, don't get caught up in NFL Network saying the Bears are still in the hunt. No, they're not. Even if they do make the playoffs, they're going to lose, obviously, but what's the worth? You got not- That's why I say this Bears team has nothing to lose at this point. So why would you want to fire Nagy? Why? Just keep him. You know, you're paying him for the full season. Just pay him for the full season and just, like, burn him out at the end. He's probably expecting it. So just, like, let him have his fun for the rest of the season and maybe let him show off maybe his skills for other teams that might want to hire him as a coordinator or whatever. And, you know, I hope that, you know, let me say this, and this is not a very unpopular opinion based on what we've seen the past couple years of this Bears team, but Matt Nagy was... A really good motivator. He's been a very good um, conductor of culture. I, I think he he's created a a bubble with these players that of, of like of trust of commitments. But the thing that he lacks a lot is the play calling and the pressure that comes with it between. Offensive and defensive, and that's why I say sometimes court. You know, when you're a defensive or offensive coordinator, and then all of a sudden you make a transition to a full-time head coach, sometimes that's just not the best for you. Maybe that's why Manegi was just a one-year wonder in his first year. Like, oh, I'm really excited to be a head coach. I got a nice defensive coordinator and Vic Fangio here. I got a nice offensive coordinator too. So I'm just gonna let let it let it ride. Maybe that's why Manegi was coach of the year is that he was able to play better with the cards that he had at the time. But now this he's just not the right head coach for this team. Especially him tampering the development of Mitch Trubisky. We can't let him do that to Justin Fields. Not at all. So that's that's just kind of my two cents uh, with this Bears team and, and the coaching decisions. Um, so the leaders here in the NFL, we got the Buccaneers, Packers, Cardinals, and Cowboys. And my hopes for the wild card would be Washington football team. 
Minnesota Vikings, I'd like to see, and the Los Angeles Rams, or the 49ers can be suitable too. I just can't see the Falcons or Saints making a comeback unless the Saints miraculously do. Um, it really depends on, on their, all their remaining schedule. So if you're a fan of either of those teams, really do pay attention of the remaining schedule um, because based on that, we can start kind of making some assumptions as who's going to be the playoffs. I think by week 17, we'll figure that out. By like the second to last week, we'll figure out how like like who needs that final win in the final week. So this National Football Conference, in terms of wild card um, predictions, it's going to be a wild race for the wild card. Um, so just like I said for MLB, it's going to be a wild, wild card race. Now it's going to be the same thing for the, the NFL. Uh, and the AFC just as well. Uh, I think the AFC is more talented. Um, overall, it's just more talented. I just feel like uh, even though the records don't show it, because you got a lot, of t- you got a couple ten and three, ten and two teams in the NFC. You don't got any ten win teams in the AFC. You got the Patriots at nine and four, Chiefs at nine and four, Ravens at eight and five. And then the Titans at nine and four. You got the Colts at seven and six, and then right behind them are the Texans and Jaguars. Well out of it. Um, I think they're the first two teams who were eliminated from the playoffs. Even though that's not a surprise. Um, then you got the Raiders in the AFC West, last place there, but they are six and seven. Broncos are seven and six, and the Chargers, who are in a wild card spot, at eight and five. So you got the Bills, Chargers, Browns, Bengals at seven and six. Bills just not having it. That was that would have been a very big win for them if they were able to pull it off yesterday. But they didn't. Um would have been a huge probably their biggest win of the season if they were able to beat the Buccaneers. But it just didn't happen for them. Um they would have been eight and five and well in front for a wild card spot. But the AFC North is the closest. You got the Bengals seven and six, Browns at seven and six, and the Ravens at five. So the Ravens have a very small margin of error in the AFC North. So looking at that, pretty intense. Titans at nine and four. It seems like the Titans will win that division. But um, we'll kind of figure out by week seventeen what teams need to make a win. And we're kind of figuring out at this point what games were, were the X factor as to why this team didn't make the playoffs. And what's bad about the Bears is that there was no X factor game. There was never really a point in the season where the Bears thought of themselves as a playoff team based on their performance levels, at least from the fan base's perspective. It just didn't seem like a Bears, this Bears team was a playoff caliber team. It's funny because today, we're driving here to Harper College, um, from Arlington Heights, North Arlington Heights, um, I have to pass the Arlington Racetrack off of 53. I, I looked left, heading uh, southbound on it, and I, I, I thought to myself, it's kind of sad that this is the main story this season, that the Bears might move to Arlington Heights, and that's kind of the condition of the front office and um, how they feel about the city of Chicago. Um, and I looked at the racetrack, and I'm, you know, also nostalgic feeling. So I was at races, you know, I was at that place, and um, I had a childhood there. I wasn't <laughs> weird way to say it, but you get the point. Like I have childhood memories there, and around that area, like Orbit Skate Center. If you guys recommend, if if you are in the 88.3 FM frequency zone, you have to know You have to know what Orbit Skate is. If you don't, you do not have a childhood. Just kidding. You definitely had a childhood. I just, I just love rollerblading. It's a pastime of mine. Anyways, I think that's good for football talk. Um, nothing too um, too much to highlight. I, I got 45 minutes left in this show, so I want to reserve that time for NBA, NHL, soccer, and UFC. Still got some good stuff coming up here on the 223rd edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. It's been a pleasure today. Good show so far. Hope you're enjoying it. Stay tuned. Got still some more to come. December 13th, talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. Let's get it going with some basketball and hockey in this segment. 
smooth operator with Tyrone Happy and Joelle Fletcher. So let's go get it. With what is not smoothly being operated right now is that of the Chicago Bulls team. Not because of what's going on on the court, but rather what's going on behind the scenes. And it's all COVID related. Dang nabbit COVID. You did it again. Um, they, <laughs> that, was, that was really funny. Um, so... This Bulls team have has 10 players on the COVID protocol list, and now, based on that, their next two games have been postponed. So, they were supposed to play, I think, a game this upcoming tomorrow. That got postponed. Now, the next game will be on Sunday, December 19th, which is very good for this Bulls team because I'm happy that they're not ha- they don't have to play while this is happening. I was I was saying at the beginning where before this news came out that they just postponed two Bulls games is that I thought that they're going to have to have G League guys just come up and play and have, you know, just a G League game against you know none other than the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Um but no, and I'm glad that the Bulls and the NBA are taking this step because it's not about getting these games in. It's about assuring player safety and a safety of people around in the organization and fans who are going to these games. Is that you now have 10 players in COVID protocol, and if this keeps happening, which it seems like the trend is saying so, well then, like, don't play. This is this is coronavirus. This is not something to be played around with. So I'm glad that the NBA and the uh, and the Chicago Bulls are postponing these games. Gives the Bulls time to. Uh, catch their breath and also might be good for them you know they were kind of starting to they were they they went on their first losing streak i think this season between the cavaliers and heat so maybe this break would be good for them and also i think i i can relate the um these losses to this um whole outbreak for this bulls team is that not all these players have covid but it's protocol it's it's they have you know Based on tracing and COVID, and fa- you know, they, it's complicated. They have to make sure all these players are healthy enough to be on the court, and that's why these games have been postponed, which is good. Um, so I'm trying to pull up the uh, health tracker um, here. But uh, there's there's 10 players on this Bulls team that are in COVID protocol. So what that means is is that this team, at least there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe someone's breaking protocol because we have no, no new protocol rules in the NBA. Yeah, What does this mean for this Bulls team who have, I think, between the two and a half years that the NBA has been playing through COVID. I think this is the most amount of outbreaks for a team, at least in terms of protocol numbers, uh, which is concerning. Um, so I'm trying to get the names because I, I don't know all the names that are in protocol right now. Um, yeah, Zach Levine, Troy Brown Jr., Iota Sunmu. Uh, I think today made Kobe White... Yikes. Um, not a situation you want to be in at all. Um, that's, yeah, those are the main guys. Anybody in the organization ha- that has COVID outbreak? Um, you have Jones Jr. out. It's a lot, a lot of players. Um, so... There, uh, Matt Thomas was there. Matt Tomas, he he was added to the roster, and then he got taken out. There's a couple guys who got added, and then immediately was put on COVID protocol, which is even more concerning with this Bulls team. So the main concern right now with this Bulls team is co- is COVID, and you know, uh, you would never want any of this to happen at all during the season. But if it's going to happen, might as well happen now, so that. The Bulls won't let this happen again. At least the NBA won't let any team have this happen. 
uh, I don't want any team to go through this. This is not an ideal situation. You got a very, um, it's not about the the players getting it and you know having symptom risks. It's about you know transferring the virus. You don't want to have twenty thousand fans in the United Center and you know be around guys who potentially might have the virus. You don't want that. And so we're looking forward to next Sunday with a, a matchup against the Lakers. Hopefully all the players are back by then. I'm sure six days will be enough at this point with the, the vaccine um, abilities and the symptoms and the negative COVID tests. And if that can all be resolved, we're at least going to see main all the main players back with the Lakers. Then you got the Rockets. I'm sure the Bulls are going to want to beat them the day after the Lakers. Um, cause the Rockets did beat the Bulls, one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, so speaking of which, let's look at the standings while we're at it. Bulls are third in the Eastern Conference at 17 and 10. Right behind them are the Miami Heat at 16 and 11. Cavaliers are at 16 and 12. 76ers 15 and 12. Wizards 15 and 12. Hornets at 15 and 13. Hawks at 13 and 13. And the Celtics at 13 and 14. My, my, um, and then the top two teams in the East are the Nets and Bucks. Nets at 19 and 8. And the Bucks at 18 and 10. Now, my, my first um, observation with this is that it's very rare to see in the Eastern Conference, mainly all top eight teams are above 500, which is big because that means that the Bulls have been able to compete in this conference with better teams. And I think this Eastern Conference is better than this Western Conference when you kind of look at the standings. Um, the only two factors that say otherwise are the Suns and Warriors, who are the best two teams in the NBA right now. Also the Jazz, who are 19-7. and seven. Then you got the Grizzlies at 16-11, and 11, Clippers at 15-12, and 12, Lakers at 15-13. and 13. Um, that's a story within itself. Uh, Mavericks at 13 and 13, the Nuggets at 13 and 13, 12 and 15 are the Timberwolves, and the Kings are at 11 and 16. So you kind of notice that between the um, seventh and tenth spot, this, these those teams are not as uh, competitive. Um, but with the Lakers in and itself, I mean that that that's a story right there. You got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, um, and and a lot of other players that are, are veterans in this team that you know you thought would perform well together. But like I said earlier in the season, like this might be a bad thing. Like you don't want to mix superstars with superstars. You know the it just becomes whack at that point. You don't want that. You don't want to have guys not having chemistry on the court because they want to be the superstar. Honestly, I think the Lakers would be better off without Anthony Davis. And if anything, the Lakers should probably trade Anthony Davis. And also LeBron James, you know, his level of, of competitiveness is, is, is declining at this point. He says he feels young. He doesn't look very young. I don't think LeBron James is as effective as he used to be, obviously, as a veteran, and um, people are still intimidated by him, and he still can perform. You never know with him. But at this point of LeBron's career, it, it seems like it's dwindling, and this season might just be the tell-all for that. Um and that's okay. That's natural. I think LeBron's got nothing else to prove. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, but at this point, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but it doesn't seem like LeBron is as effective. And Lakers fans, I feel like their expectations were high this season, and that's why it's a big story with what's happening in Los Angeles. So I'm really interested to see what happens next Sunday night uh, with the Lakers and Bulls playing against each other because that's going to get interesting. I want to see. This is why I like the Bulls team. You know, you got a couple superstars, caliber players. You got players that could potentially be all-stars like Kobe White, like Patrick Williams, like I think Alex Caruso could be an all-star. We already got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine who could were probably going to be all-stars this season. And maybe even Nikola Vukovic who was an all-star last season. You know, all around this Bulls team, they're well-rounded. This is a good Bulls team to, to watch. They're fun to watch. This is a team that, you know, you enjoy because they're just well-rounded. You can't just have veteran superstar with veteran superstar. This is kind of like what we see with the Nets too. I mean, the, the Nets are a little bit better, but uh, still, like I didn't, I didn't see the effectiveness between Kevin Durant, James Harden. Uh, you know, 
don't even start all those three. You should have one of those guys start off the bench, even though that's maybe not where they thrive is off the bench, but that's what you may have to do with a, a superstar team like that. And the Nets, to me, if you figure them out, you might be able to beat them in five or six games in a four, in a seven game series in the playoffs. They don't seem like a, 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 a too much of a talented team to me. That's why I like this Bulls team. I think that this Bulls team could end up being consistently top three this season because of the caliber that they have. So that's what I gotta say about this COVID situation. It's not ideal. It's not where where this Bulls team wants to see themselves at, at this point of the season because they were on a roll. They they had a really good start to the season and it's still good. They're in a good spot right now. They just gotta get back on track. And I think these two games being postponed is could uh, maybe could be, and I could be wrong, but this could be very well the best end of the Bulls. That, that could have happened to this Bulls team, at least in terms of getting back on track, not letting, having continuously two, five, six, seven, nine, ten, on, all just numbers keep rising of players in protocol. You don't want that. All right, time to get into some hockey because um, I might be running out of time here soon. So talk. let's just quickly go over the NHL standings, talk the notables, and then we'll go over the Blackhawks very quickly. Eastern Conference, top four teams, Maple Leafs at 40 points. Tied with them are the Panthers. Go Panthers. I, I like this team. Uh, Lightning at 38 points, and Bruins at 30. Right behind them are the Red Wings. And what I think, honestly, this Red Wings, as much as I don't like them as a Blackhawks fan, I like the underdogs. I always root for them, and if anything, I like a nice, young, fresh team, and this isn't the team I hated in the early 2010s. This is a new team that I have never hated, so go Red Wings. I don't mind this Red Wings team, and I don't mind their fan base. It's Detroit. I mean, what does Detroit have to, you know, it's not like they're from New York. Hey, you got a problem here, huh? That's like, yeah, that's how I see Detroit. <laughs> I was watching a TikTok earlier of this guy getting yelled at from New Yorkers impersonating them. That's why I thought that that um, was needed in this episode. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't I don't mind the Red Wings. That's the point I'm trying to make. Metropolitan Division, where the, you do see some New York teams, one of them being very last place at 19 points is the New York Islanders. And that's, I think, a story of the season. They had a really good season last year, making it to the uh, Stanley Cup. Um semifinals and then it all went yeah all went haywire from there and now players are just um they're honestly kind of going through the same situation as the bulls in a way you know they've had players on covid protocol but it hasn't reached more than four or five at a time which is why they haven't postponed many games but you know they've had players out with injury out with covid they just haven't played up to full steam and it might become the best story in the NHL if the New York Islanders make a comeback this season when they are back at full strength. Because looking at the Metropolitan Division, you got the Flyers at 24 points, the Devils at 25, Blue Jackets at 29, and then the top four, you got the Penguins at 33. So that's 14 points to catch up with the Islanders, and you got many other teams in front of them trying to do that. And then you got the Rangers at 39 points. Hurricanes at 39, and then the Capitals at 40. Let's go to the Western Conference. You got the Wild in front on the Central. Predators, well, the Wild have 39. Predators have 35. Blues have 35. Avalanche at 34. And then below them are the Jets at 31. Stars at 28. Blackhawks at 22. And the Coyotes at 12. Um, so where I see the Blackhawks in this situation is that they are indeed... 12 points behind the, the the next playoff spot and it doesn't seem like they are they they are well equipped enough to make it this far but it is nice to see that based on how the season started under Jeremy Carlton and now with Derek King at the helm it's definitely a better looking team and that 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 to me for next season or at least moving forward this Blackhawks team is this might this just might be the lowest of the lows with this Blackhawks team. That's what I'm just settling at with the past few seasons. You know, I feel like 
after all the, the Stanley Cups the Blackhawks won this past decade, it's at this point of, um, at least for the main players that were a part of it, like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays, is that, you know, they're at limbo. And I said it in the intro, it's, 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 it's a limbo process. And um, that's just how it is. But what else is how it is, is this radio station you're listening to. It is 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, a broadcast station of Harper College and its board of trustees. You are listening to the 223rd edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk here on Monday, December 13th. Um, so, you know, I think that it's it's more like Stanley Cup hangover that this Blackhawks team has. It's like you drank so much with the Stanley Cup. You just can't deal with it anymore. That's how I see this Blackhawks team. They're not a bunch of alcoholics. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, metaphorically, they're they're hungover from the, the Stanley Cup wins. And that's how I feel, at least from an organizational standpoint, not from, like, the player standpoint. Because once an organization in the front office sees a lot of success over an X amount of time, then beyond that X amount of time is kind of like that, that point of downturn that's how that's a, a great example of that point is the florida marlins you know they became an expansion team with the colorado rockies right they won two world series 1997 and 2003 and then look at them now they suck their organization is awful they built a 500 million dollar stadium in miami changed the logo changed the brands and yet they are not good that's a situation like I don't want to see the Blackhawks get into is that success hangover. You don't want to see that. I'm trying to think of other examples. I think there's teams that don't fall into that category. I think one of those teams is the Boston Red Sox. Like, you know, they have consistently won in the past 20 years. Like, they were on a, a really big losing drought until 2004, and then they won, and then they 2007, then they won in 2013, and then they won in 2018. That's the perfect margin of victories. That's when I think that's the the – a good way to show how well our organization stays intact because they don't have five years worth of losing, right? I don't want to see the Blackhawks fall into that hole. Nobody wants to see the Blackhawks fall into that hole unless it's a hole in the ice, which would be funny but scary because I don't want to see anyone get injured. Ice season is upon us, so I'm going to start playing some outdoor hockey. If anyone wants to play with me, let me know. Pacific Division. Ducks are in front at 37 points, Flames at 36, Golden Knights at 32, and Oilers at 32. Below that is the Sharks at 31, Kings at 28, Canucks at 26, and the newly formed Seattle Kraken all the way in the dumps at 21. Uh, my main observation from that is, have we ever seen the Golden Knights not in a playoff position since they inaugurated in 2017? I remember... This is my last point in hockey today. I remember back when I was doing shows here at 88.3 FM. When I was inaugurating the Las Vegas Knights. Is that I cannot believe this team made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their, in their first year. I just remember talking about that here. And it just brings back memories. That's why I like the Vegas Golden Knights. That's why, you know, they're like my secondary team right now. Um, but honestly, right now, my secondary team, believe it or not, is the Minnesota Wild. I kind of want to see them succeed. I've seen too much of the Blackhawks succeed. And as much as I'm a Blackhawks fan, I'd love to see another championship. You know, I had my fair share of moments in the 2010s. I, I, I want to see the Wild win just because... Not because out of spite, just because, you know, they deserve it. They've been consistently within playoff reach. They've consistently made the playoffs in, in some cases. And now I just want to see what they can do. Um, the Predators had their chance in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they lost. So then they lost my respect in a way. Blues already got had their moment with their first Stanley Cup a couple years ago. So now I kind of just want to see the Wild win. Is that, is that too much to ask, Minnesota? I, I'll start rooting for you. I don't know. Maybe I'm just slowly gaining an affinity to, to Minnesota sports because already this show, I've praised the Minnesota Vikings. I praised the Minnesota Wild. I haven't praised the Timberwolves. They're not as good, um, even though they're in a 10th seed right now. So they might be able to 
Oh. This is not a Minnesota sports talk show. This is a Chicago sports talk show, but I love Minnesota. I I love going. I'm going to be up there for Christmas in a week and a half. So catch me up there. Maybe I'll uh, go to a wild game or, I don't know, curling match. Who knows? Anyways, that is that for this segment. Uh, next segment. Uh, we only got a little time, so uh, I'm going to spend a very minimal amount of time on soccer, and then we'll switch out to the next segment to talk some UFC. And that's if this mouse decides to work to send me to break. Um, I don't get you to it. You are listening to the 223rd edition of Money Man Sports Talk. Be back in just a bit. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the madness here on December 13th. Talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. This is Fighting Me, Sebastian Wide, and Spiker Remix. Bring me into this should be a quick segment. Soccer. Football. Football is life. As quoted from the legend himself, Danny Rojas. Of Ted Lasso. I had to say Ted Lasso before my show gets copyrighted. Anyways, let's... um. Talk some soccer. Uh, so the Champions League, uh, just I think the round of 16 got decided today. There was a, w- a very interesting occurrence that happened today earlier in the Champions League round of 16 draw. It's not like the tournament's already set. You got to, first of all, set the, the, the beyond the group stage of the Champions League. You have to set the round of 16. So... They had a draw this morning where they just pick out a hat. You have to have a number one seed from one group face a number two seed from the other group in the first round. So that's how you do it. So um, the Champions League had to... There was some controversy today after the first draw. Um, So initially, Manchester United was supposed to play Paris Saint-Germain. That's the matchup I wanted, at least. I, I, I wanted to see Messi versus Ronaldo in the first round, and as a Manchester United fan, that would have been a lot of fun. Um, but I think they're facing Monaco at this point with the redraw. Um, so the reason why they had to redraw today was the Champions League drew Manchester United to face Villarreal. The reason why that can't be the matchup is because Villarreal was in the same group as Manchester United in the group stage and they can't face off in the first round. The only time that those two teams can face off is in the championship game. Um, so that being said, they had to redraw the whole thing. The whole darn thing. Which um, was very confusing. And I think they redrew Manchester United PSG after that when they realized it was a mistake, but then they were like, okay, well, we if, we're, if we redraw one, we have to redraw all of them, which was controversial. Um, so now the Champions League is redraw. So, they're, so here are the matchups in the Champions League in the first round, right? We got... Oh, it's Atletico Madrid, not, not um, Monaco. It's... Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United. Real Red Bull Salzburg, which is their first ever appearance in the Champions League round of 16, facing off what would uh, my be my choice be the champions this year in Bayern Munich. I think Bayern Munich is going to dismantle Salzburg. It's it's um I think the first rounds up until the championship are aggregate rounds. So each team plays each other twice, one at home, one at away. 
And if it's tied between the two, the uh, team that has the most away goals advance. But if it's tied still, even with that, it goes to uh, extra time in that second game, which is 30 minutes. If not decided after 30 minutes, goes to a penalty shootout. Um, and it's round of 16 up until that. That's up until the championship game, which is a one game neutral sites face off. Um, so that's um, Red Bull Salzburg versus Bayern Munich. Sporting Portugal will be facing Manchester City. SL Benefica will be facing Ajax, uh, who went undefeated in their group stage. So uh, I would not want to be facing Ajax. Um, Chelsea will be facing Lyle OSC. Atletico Madrid, as mentioned, will be facing Manchester United. I think that's even still, I think that's a good matchup. Villarreal will be facing Juventus. Inter Milan will be facing Liverpool. And Paris Saint-Germain will be facing Real Madrid. Um, so that is Champions League draw from this morning. Let's look at English Premier League standings. Um, where this past weekend we saw some good games, I thought at least. Standings now look like Manchester City is up on top with 38 points. Liverpool at 37 and 36 is Chelsea. So we got a really nice fight up in the top three, but there's a couple teams right below them that are vying for a spot, and that's West Ham United with 28 points, Manchester United with 27, and Arsenal with 26. Tottenham has 25, and then Leicester City has 22. So you got to think that in the top eight, anybody can start winning and come back. I mean, Manchester United has won, I think, the last three English Premier League uh, matchups. So they're plus nine in their last three matchups, and now they're within 11 points of the first place Manchester City, but they got to beat off West Ham, Chelsea, and Liverpool. So that's English Premier League. I think the one big story in soccer is not in the Premier League it's not in Champions League well it was in Champions League but now not in Champions League is the story of Barcelona the first time since I think 2001 or 2002 that they haven't made the round of 16 in the Champions League and they find themselves at 8th place in La Liga two, three spots out of a Champions League bid Real Madrid, Sevilla, Real Betis, Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad, and Rio Vallecano and Valencia are in front of Barcelona, who have 24 points. Real Madrid are, have 42 points. They, it seems like they're going to be the victors. It's just weird because the past two years in La Liga has been so competitive. So competitive. I mean, last year in the 2020-2021 season, you had three teams... Literally fighting for La Liga championship in the final two games of the season. Athletic Madrid had like 86 points last season and compared to Real Madrid who had 84 points. So that's really close. Um, let's look at MLS. We saw a really good game between the Portland Timbers and New York FC last week, this past weekend. Um, New York FC had a goal in the first half. Then with literally in stoppage time, uh, four minutes of stoppage time was added um, to the 90th minute. And in literally the 94th minute, Portland comes back and gets the goal to tie it, bring it to overtime. But it wasn't enough because the New York FC MLS team wins the MLS Cup for the first time in history. And... Well, bravo to them. Congrats. It's awesome. Um, so I thought that New York was playing a little sloppy um, in the second half, and they were playing a little selfishly, uh, time-wasting, getting two yellow cards because of time-wasting. Don't waste time in soccer because you will get carded for that. Um, time is of the essence in soccer um, when it comes down to the final minutes because uh, there are trends in soccer that when, you know, when you're down, you're most likely going to be on the attacking end in the final five minutes. And those final five minutes are essential. And whether or not you're going to win a championship, you're going to be in contention for Champions League or anything like that. In the MLS in this situation, it was championship um, worthy. I mean, that was a great championship game in the MLS Cup. 
I think it was like 35,000 people in it fit in that stadium in Portland. Awesome venue. Awesome environment. I saw for MLS Cup. I really enjoyed it. There was this one fan, though, that f- I think right after the New York FC player scored, um, was I think a bottle was thrown at his head, um, and it caused him... Um, that fan was, of course, ejected, but the player was almost injured because of it. Um, that should be a felony. I think that's a felony in my eyes. You should never do that. If you're a fan who throws something at a player or on the field at a game because you're upset of what your team's performing or the other team, you're you're not a real fan. You're just you're you're just a stubborn little explicit blank. I would have called you very bad words, but I'm not going to do that here on the beautiful airwaves. Of 88.3 FM. But you know I do not like people who throw stuff on fields. You should be put in jail right away. No coming out. Life in jail. Just kidding. It's not that. It's not that significant where you're going to get life in jail. But maybe a couple months or uh, at least a very strict fine of $5,000. Cold, hard cash. All right, time to go to the next session. Uh, we got about fi- 10, 15 minutes left here in the program today for episode 223 of Monday, Man of Sports Talk. We're going to talk UFC 269. This, I was very excited for this conversation. Got some really good fights this past weekend. Didn't get a chance last week to preview them, but uh, I think I'd much rather review the fights because it was a great fight card, um, top to bottom. So we'll go over what happens Coming up next here on the 223rd edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk. We'll be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the madness here on December 13th. Talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. And we've reached the Beyond segment with this, your fool, Tyrone Happy and Binded Remix with Mimosa. So let's do it with UFC 269. So let's do it very quickly. Let's go over it because uh, we saw some upsets, saw some finishes, and we saw some new champions being crowned. On Saturday night in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. So, uh, last pay-per-view of the year usually should be one of the better ones. And it was a good one. And there was a lot of really good cards this year. Um, So, it's hard to say that this is one of the better ones. But it still was a really good card. Um, Let's talk about the early prelims. Any notables there? Jillian Robinson submitted um, in round one. Um, That was the first fight of the night. Nothing else too notable in the early prelims. I didn't even watch it. Um, we saw Augusto Sakai get beat by two, Tai Tuvasa. I thought that was the match to make. And round two was a TKO from Tai Tuvasa. Uh, Dominic Cruz beating Pedro Munoz after one round. Dominic Cruz was behind, but he came back. Fancy footwork gets you far, my friends. It will cause um, many, many, many decoys in your game. It'll definitely help. Uh, not to get hit because if you have good footwork, you're good at eluding uh, contact. So uh, uh, keep that in mind if you're a fighter going. Yeah, footwork, moving all around definitely helps you from getting hit. Um, prelim card featured bout was Dan Ige and Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett winning that by decision. Let's look at the main card. Starting off with Sean O'Malley and Raleon Paiva at Bantamweight. Sean O'Malley, easy win. Round 1 TKO. Um, 442 into it. Not surprised whatsoever. Knew that was going to be a finish for Sean O'Malley. Just, it was a matter of when. Um, but that's the thing about Sean O'Malley is that he's fighting these guys that you know are easy wins. Like... Yeah, it's nice to rack up his highlight reel, but, you know, you got to start fighting top 15 guys. And, yeah, it was nice to watch him in that Marlon Vera fight, but that fight wasn't really that credible because it he, he was kind of injured. O'Malley injured his leg, and he wasn't as, at full capacity. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. Sean O'Malley needs to get a top 15 next opponent next time. Um, in time, I'll talk about those potential matchups, but O'Malley needs to have a top 15 opponent next set and done 
Flyweights Kai Kyra France and Cody Garbrandt faced off. Kai Kyra France with a round one TKO on Cody Garbrandt. Is this the end of Garbrandt's? You know, you saw also his former foe and Dominic Cruz winning earlier in the night. Maybe pressured him a little bit, and he loses in the main card um, on pay-per-view. So uh, not a good look for Cody Garbrandt, who is 12-5 and five now. And honestly, he isn't really as, if you think about it, you know, Cody Garbrandt isn't as much as established in the UFC as many other bantamweights or flyweights. Um, and Kai Kairafans, he he's an experienced fighter. He's got a, a resume that I think I should have betted on him. I, I thought Cody Garbrandt was going to win this fight. And Kai Kairafans definitely impressed me. And uh, I'm looking forward to Kai Kairafans' next fight. I think he's going to get a top 15 opponent beyond Saturday night. Uh, welterweights, Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Jeff Neal with a three-round decision over Ponzinibbio. Um, then we go into the championship fights. Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena for the women bantamweight title. Amanda Nunez hasn't lost in over seven years. And we're kind of just figuring out, like, when is Amanda Nunez going to lose and when is she going to start dwindling in her career? She just became a mother this past year, did make a fight, I think she had one other fight while being a mother, but um, I just don't know if Amanda Nunez's priorities are fighting right now. And I think it showed in the octagon on Saturday night, getting her first loss in seven years, and honestly should have bet on Pena. I should have saw this coming. I was going to talk about it last Monday. I, I, I was going to say, you know, Amanda Nunez, watch out. This might not be the outcome you expect. Anybody expected. You know, Juliana Pena shocked the world. Mandy Nunez, in round one, played around with her a little bit. Definitely won that round. But then Pena just kept striking Nunez out of nowhere in round two. I think all around, Juliana Pena showed every little bit of mixed martial arts she needed to to beat potentially in what should be Hall of Famer Amanda Nunez. She submitted her. I am very proud of Juliana Pena. Really, really good to see a new champion now at Bantamweight for the women's division. Um, obviously, Amanda Nunez, legend in her own way, probably one of the best to ever do it, besides Valentina Shevchenko, uh, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, um, all those names. But I think the MMA community should be very proud of Pena. She shocked the world. She did something that nobody ever thought she would in beating Amanda Nunez. And, uh, Nothing but respect for her from this point. I was not rooting against her. I was just seeing whether or not Amanda Nunez is going to be champion. And I'm sure somebody out there lost $300,000 on Amanda Nunez uh, betting on her based on that minus 1,000. Um, so, yeah. Um... That's that for the women's bandway. I was going to see if there's anything else to say in that regard. Let's go to lightweight main event. Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier facing off in the lightweight division for lightweight championship. And this is a great matchup. I think Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira, stylistically, it's a good matchup. However, wrestling, submission, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to win you fights. I think Charles Oliveira has that edge on Poirier, and we saw that on Saturday night in round three as he submitted Dustin Poirier with a, rear, a standing rear naked choke. I have never seen that happen before. I have never seen, in the UFC at least, a standing rear naked choke. You see rear naked chokes all the time. We saw a lot of them this past year, but none, none like a standing rear naked choke. So what a way to end the last pay-per-view of the year, a year full of rear naked chokes with a standing Rear naked choke by Charles Oliver, showing off once again why he is a true black belt mixed martial artist. He is the best lightweight in the world right now. But if you were to fight a guy like Khabib Nurmagomedov, I don't know, honestly. Literally, if Khabib was still in this division, still fighting in the UFC, and wasn't playing soccer or coaching UFC, I think this Oliveira Khabib fight, I think Oliveira would be the best competition for Khabib Nurmagomedov based on Oliveira's grappling skills alone. You need someone to match up with Khabib Nurmagomedov's grappling skills. I think, with that being said, Charles Oliveira is the right fit for champion right now. As much as I wanted to see Poirier win and how much Poirier is such a good humanitarian, this is why I love Poirier way more than Conor McGregor. I just think Conor McGregor should take some notes from Poirier. Um, is that I'd rather see a fighter be humble 
than a fighter be arrogant. Dustin Poirier is the definition of humble. And literally after the fight, right after he took the loss with dignity, went up to Oliveira and his translator and said, I'm going to donate $20,000 to a charity of your choosing. That's heart right there. That's a man right there. I would, I, would, I would definitely do the same thing if I were a UFC fighter fighting not just for my own financial purposes and life purposes, but, you know, if I have enough money in the bank for my own life and what I want to do in life, why would I want more money? Why would I? That money deserves to go somewhere else. That's like the take that Justin Poirier has always t- um, stood for. He's got a hot sauce company. He's making money with that. He's making money being a UFC fighter, and he's a family man. What a great human being I think Dustin Poirier is. And he, he's going to get many other chances in the future to come back from this. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what he's got next. This lightweight division is stacked, so many, many, many matchups we can make in this lightweight division in the UFC. But for, as far as that goes, that's it. That's that's today's show here on 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, a broadcast station of Harper College and its board of trustees. Um Really good show today. Talk some football, talk some basketball, hockey, soccer, and just finished this program today with some UFC talk, talking UFC 269. This upcoming weekend, we got Derek Lewis fighting um, Chris Dawkins. So that's a good fight, a good last card of the year. We'll uh, look forward to that. I got Derek Lewis winning that one. I really want to see Lewis win that one. I think that'll be nice to see. So uh, that all being said... Good show today. Really, 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 really good show today. So thank you for joining me with it. This has been the 223rd edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. And I'll see you next week for 224. There will be a podcast. So stick around for it. If you're still interested in merchandise, please email me at noah.festenstein at gmail.com. For your choice in hats, t-shirts, mugs, hat, or whatever. You said hats twice. You get two hats if you want. It doesn't matter. See you next week, guys.